Kattis Olsson. You are a, a doctor, you are a specialist within pain, how it affects uh, your body. I'm an expert in how to live with pain. Pain is some serious business. It ain't everyone who knows what to do about it. Now I hear there's a podcast just about this. It doesn't talk of pain alone, but other interesting things distracting the mind from it. So I suggest you tune in to Outsmart the Pain and listen to what Karsten has to say about it. Get ahead. Get it done. Listen to the podcast and maybe change your life or someone else's. Today I'm really happy to meet Kattis Olsson and there are several reasons for this. First of all, you've written a book uh, about your own pain and pain experience in English and I'm yes. so happy about that <laughs> because I do all this in English and it uh, kind of feels weird when I'm Swedish. So uh, do you feel comfortable talking in English? Yes, absolutely. I love that. When I wrote the, the book Outsmart the Pain and when I have newsletters and this pod, I try to convey all the thoughts that my patients have had. So their advice, their experience. I know there is research. I need to talk about research, but I try to tell other people what my own patients have said, because I think that's the best way to help people. And then I have the opportunity today to talk to someone that actually knows this way better than I do. So Katis, start by telling us who are you? Why do you think you're in this pod? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that is a 10,000 crowns question. I have four different back injuries and I got my first back injury at the age of 16. I'm 46 now, so for 30 years I've lived with the pain constantly. I never liked the word uh, chronic pain, though. I never used it, and I'm so glad that even the healthcare system have changed it to persistent pain now. Um, and I... Can I just interrupt for a small second, because I'm talking about this with another guest. The, the scientific community or the pain doctors are actually talking about nociplastic pain. And I tend to stick to persistent pain because I think that it might confuse people. It's the same pain. And I understand that we need maybe this uh, new wording in our work as, as professionals. Do you have any own ideas about the term nociplastic pain, if you have heard about it. Yeah, I've heard about it. I have some lectures with um, other pain scientists, so they talk about it. I have some medical knowledge, but other people don't have, have that. I think as a, an ordinary person without medical knowledge, I mean, and I think Nociplastic is, you, you don't know what it is. You don't know how to act towards it. What is it? Is it something dangerous? When we use Latin words or medical words, it's easy for 
people without that medical knowledge to to think that this is something dangerous because mm. they don't know what it is. So I think persistent or I even say long-term pain sometimes because I think it's easier for people to understand. Very wise because we have played with the words chronic and persistent for such a long time and, and there have been discussions about what to use because chronic sounds like something you can't uh, do anything about and persistent sounds uh, like it is you can do something about it and then we throw in the word nociplastic i haven't actually heard uh, that you as a, a person with pain could feel somewhat scared about the word but i totally understand it now when you say it so very wise so oh sorry i interrupted you in your back injury story but i i needed to because i otherwise i will forget and i can't edit it that well so please go on <laughs> oh thank you no worries as i grew up i was a cross-country skiing skier and uh, i was uh, competing and my biggest dream was of course to represent the Swedish cross-country skiing team in the Olympics. It was my biggest dream and at that first accident, it was a parachute accident, I crashed to the ground really hard and the dream crashed as well. I realized we don't get that much knowledge about the body and about the brain in school. We don't get that. I know a lot of history, years, the kings and everything, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't get the knowledge how to take care of my own body and how I can actually work with my brain in a way to lead myself forward. So that first back injury actually made me interested in the body and how I used mental training myself since I had that from my cross-country ski career I studied and became a massage therapist and a mental coach to help other people to deal with the pain mm. this was more than I think 23 24 years ago I worked a lot with um, elite athletes I've been in the area and I helped um, a lot of people taking the Olympic medals. In one way, I have fulfilled my dream to help others to get inside the Olympics in a way. <laughs> if I may ask you, how good were you in skiing when, when this happened? I was in high school in a cross-country skiing uh, uh, program. There was a special program. I wasn't the best, but I was quite high level. You're probably being modest because I know that if you're in one of these high school programs in skiing in Sweden, you are really good. And, and what I'm getting at is actually that this wasn't just a, a, a dream of, of your childhood that you wanted to be like a, a rock star or anything. You were really aiming towards this and pain crushed your dream because this is very, very important for the listener. Pain can crush your dreams. I had a, a young uh, girl who was really, really good. 
to be a dancer and she had an injury and unfortunately another specialist not pain specialist had some ideas of how to treat this which wasn't actually a treatment it was just rest what? and do nothing what which wasn't actually a treatment it was just rest and do nothing and her dreams were crushed as well because it was an age where she couldn't start to dance again she had been uh, run over by all her uh, colleagues but when she got better she started to think about choreography so you did the exactly same way that you kind of found your interest and your knowledge and put it into the right uh, space amazing really this is not an easy pod because I ask questions which you haven't heard before, but I'll just go on here. Uh, yeah. the, the listener can't coming. see <laughs> exactly. The listener can't see the video, and you're still smiling. Uh, yeah. You're still smiling. And um, if we have someone listening that actually just got her or his dreams crushed because of pain, young or old, something that they really wanted to do, but now pain just stopped it. What would be your first advice if they're listening to this? I say anything is possible. I say anything is possible. Maybe not right now. Maybe you have to do it in another way. But anything is possible. You just have to. It sounds so easy. Just have to. But you have to kind of get out of your box inside your head and think, how can I do things in another way? How can I achieve a new dream? What do I need to do to get there? Do you think you need professional help to do this or can you manage by yourself? I would suggest professional help uh, because it's not easy. I'm not saying that. Um, very nerdy interested in the brain <laughs> i i think it's an amazing thing and you can do so much with the brain but you have to know how to do it how to tell your brain how to change focus and so on so i think you need help with that and understanding and knowledge what you have to deal with what kind of pain is this because knowledge prevents fear and when we reduce fear we improve the motivation for movement and when we get in movement the pain reduces knowledge is a main key in pain management you said something very interesting um, that in school we learn uh, a lot of things uh, and I won't say that history is not uh, important, <laughs> don't worry teachers out there, but we know too little about ourselves and, and like biology class. I, I would like to see just like you say to understand what happens and actually it feels like people are afraid of getting sick sometimes that they are going to healthcare because they're sick and like being sick is something unnatural 
uh, I would love to teach that you're allowed to be sick and what happens to your body and that inflammation is not a disease, it's a body reaction. It's something that heals the body. Inflammation in itself isn't bad. It's something that the body works with. Just an anecdote, I, I was invited on one of my kids' uh, schools to talk about the brain and nervous system at a biology lesson, uh, kind of my perspective. And so I started talking about all the funny things that the brain thinks. For instance, you know the uh, escalator where you stand on an escalator, rulltrappa, and if that is standing still, you know it feels kind of weird when you walk on it. it. Your brain doesn't understand, it has started to adjust your muscles and your joints, and it still thinks that it should move, but it doesn't. And it feels strange when you walk on an escalator that stands still. And so the whole brain is actually working with expectations and calculating what happens. And of course, if you train your brain that you have pain and you can't do anything, then your brain will accept that and it will de do everything in its power to make sure that you don't move because it hurts. But you seem to have a solution. What did you do when all this happened and you, and you got your back injury? What was your way to get out of it? Well, it took me a long time to get help for the first injury. I actually went to my doctor for one and a half year. They took blood samples for about everything. I've heard about every diagnosis you might could have. Nothing showed up on the blood samples, but I refused to give up. I'm quite stubborn and I used my knowledge within mental training because I used mental training from the age of 12, 13. So I used that knowledge and started to set goals for myself. I realized I couldn't run. And the doctor said it would be impossible for me to ever go running again. But I set up goals and started to listen to my body. Actually, I listened to an earlier podcast you had. You said that if someone said to me, listen to my body, I would just lay on the sofa. <laughs> Okay, I get it. The brain can tell you it's quite nice to be here on the sofa. But what I mean with listen to my body is that I know my body by now quite well. And I know when it's bad pain. Okay, so today you just have to go around uh, the house or around the block having a lot of rest in between, but go for several small walks. But another day when it feels good, I, I have a good pain, then I can go for a run. That is what I mean with listen to my body with big ears, learning to know the difference between good and bad pain, because bad pain can increase a lot and I don't want that. Listen to my body and building new roads in my brain away from the pain. So I start focusing on what I can do instead of focusing on what I can't do. So you're actually listening to the body in a right way. Uh, I, I, I probably would listen to my body in the wrong way. And like I said in my pod, I would... Uh, <laughs> 
lay on the sofa and eat ice cream and watch Netflix because that's what my body tells me to do. Uh, but you actually listen to it in a better way, which we all should be doing. But you said that you, you are a competitive person. You've been so throughout your childhood. I won't talk about your parents or genes or anything like that. But of course, you have some kind of background doing this. So let's say that someone is listening now and say, well, hey, I wasn't a competitor when I was young and I don't have that uh, in me. So I'm kind of lost and I will never get better in, in pain because I am not cut this. I have no way of doing what she's doing. You can kind of see where I'm getting at. What should we say to this person? Because, because it's a good question, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Actually, everyone can learn more about how to talk to your brain. The power of mind is really powerful, actually. It is a lot about self-leadership. I could also listen to that uh, voice saying stay on the sofa eating ice cream and checking netflix but i know that my body will not be better from that uh, the pain will increase if i do that all the time of course i need to do that as well i need the recovery but everyone can learn to use the brain and you can so you don't always think about the pain. Mm. So that is actually one thing that everyone can do. Every human being have a brain mm. and we can all learn how to reprogram it, to be responsible for yourself. I can't demand that uh, a doctor or a physiotherapist or whoever professional just fix me. I need to take responsibility to do things myself to get better. Of course, I needed a lot of treatments and uh, medications and so on. But in between, I have the responsibility to take care of myself. I can't demand that someone else does that for me. It's not going to work. So, so if someone says that, well, I've been to so many healthcare professionals, there have been physiotherapists and there have been doctors and no one has helped me. No one has taken away my pain. Your suggestion is uh, that this person maybe needs to do more of him or herself then with, with the right help. Of course, you need the right help to, first of all, know what causes the pain. Why do you have this pain? As I said before, uh, knowledge prevents fear. When you know what causes the pain and how you can act towards it, then easier might be a wrong word here, but it is easier to understand and uh, do things to get better. When you don't know what causes the pain, you get scared. If you move, you get scared uh, and you get scared to move because you're scared that the pain will increase and you have the fear of movement, which is really not a good thing. I would say everyone who lives with pain have had the fear of movement. 
I'm not saying that you should just skip to go to a doctor, but no, see a physiotherapist or a doctor. So you don't find a good one where you live. Okay, search for someone else. Maybe you have someone that is more a pain specialist. The ordinary house doctor, they are good at a lot of things, but they are not pain specialists. You might need a pain specialist to get the real help, to get the knowledge what you have to deal with. From there on, it's easier to to move forward, taking the lead of yourself. You need knowledge not to be afraid, and the knowledge is to understand uh, where the pain comes from. And in that search, you might need a pain specialist somewhere down the road. I sometimes say that even if you don't go and see a pain specialist physically, uh, you can ask your general practitioner who's lackare to actually ask uh, a pain specialist by referral. I have these patients, do you have any ideas, for instance? Communication is really good. And, and talking about getting help and communications, there is also a possibility for people with pain to get knowledge from other people with pain. Like I'm talking to you now, and you're giving us all good advice, and we're not even half through this show, I think. <laughs> but there are some groups in Facebook and uh, maybe organizations. I had a patient not too long ago who said that she tried to get into these different groups, but she was so disappointed that everyone just focused on the bad things. They had to tell everyone how bad it was, and it was nothing that actually lifted her up. And she said, this is not me. I really need something to lift me up, so I will lift myself up. It's hard for me as a physician to have an opinion about patient groups, especially on the internet. Do you have any ideas or thoughts about these ways of communication between patients and these groups out there? Yeah, I totally understand what your patient uh, talked about because I have also been into some different pain groups on Facebook and uh, I couldn't stay there because they were so negative and um, they didn't take responsibility for their own life and their own pain. They just was uh, disappointed with everyone who was not making them better. Actually, I started um, a program, uh, a digital program focused on women because a lot of women don't get help or understanding. And I focused a lot about female hormones and how they also affect the pain. I wanted to create a, a positive group to share my knowledge and um, actually where I just had a group coaching yesterday uh, where I mm. talked to my clients who has been in the program for a year and will continue because the the warmth and the knowledge she told me that this program has given me so much more than just pain management I actually have developed myself a lot she realized that Living with long-term pain or persistent pain isn't a quick fix. We've been going on for a year and she said, I'm not done yet. 
this, this will go on for a long time because changing behavior and changing how you deal with stuff, it takes time. This is what I can contribute with to other patients. My knowledge with living with pain and the knowledge of the body and the brain and how the pain affects you in different ways and how you can deal with it. I can't work with those who are not willing to do the job themselves, mm -hmm. but I can absolutely help those who are willing to do the work. I will be there because you get setbacks. I get setbacks. I fall in the dark uh, places uh, sometimes. I have learned to deal with it and to manage my pain. It doesn't mean I don't have bad days. Of course I have. I'm a human being. I'm not a robot. The participants uh, have said that, uh, well, it's authentic and I know both sides and I work with pain scientists to also get knowledge from what does the science says. That's actually an interesting thought because we have pain rehab at my clinic at the hospital and it's usually a program for some weeks and during this short time uh, you try to find different parameters that show that they're actually getting better because that's what the healthcare system needs us to deliver. And it's very hard in, in persistent pain to get, you know, better in six, eight, ten weeks, like you say. But when we have uh, groups where they connect and they say, oh, we should get a Facebook group afterwards. I have met patients that are actually not uh, at our clinic anymore. People who are saying that when I get pain and feel down, I don't tell everything to my uh, husband anymore. I call this friend I have in the group because she understands it. And I think that is the solution to all this, that you need this help from your peers. If someone listening here and, and say, oh, cut this, I want to get in one of her groups. Can you get into your groups or is it invitations only or how does it work? It's not open at the moment, but you can sign up for a, a waiting list on my webpage cut.se or .com. Mm, cut is also on. Uh, yeah. Good. I, I will uh, put that on my webpage as well. So they have a link whenever I get the time. That's ex excellent. The title of, of uh, the book I wrote uh, together with, with Karin Julström, Outsmart the Pain, Reprogram Your Brain. I kind of feel that you think that was a good title. Hmm? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. I just wanted you to say that. <laughs> At least the title was good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and you wrote a book in English. Yeah, uh, tell I me did. about that. Uh, what's the title and uh, what does it tell people or help people with? The title is uh, The Invisible Pain, My Faithful Companion. Hmm? Because I used to have it as my hated enemy. When I started to work with acceptance, it became my faithful companion. It's always there, like a shadow. It's, it's a stalker. No, it's always there, but I have found ways to work with it. To, I have stopped the inside war, and it's so much more comfortable within me now. The book uh, is about 
my own pain journey with my four back injuries. I have some small tools to use in everyday life, how you can manage sleep, think about the sleep environment, also some life hacks. (laughs) It's my own experience. I also read articles, uh, scientific articles about it to to get the the proof of it. But it's my, I haven't written anything that I haven't experienced myself. I need to experience it by myself and feel that, okay, this is something I can stand up for. Is it a digital book only or is it in paper? It's both, actually. It's a digital. I also have it um, printed. And you find it uh, on your website as well? Yeah. Uh, Is that how you get it? Absolutely. It's also available at um, Amazon, Google Play, Apple Books. So I was just thinking here, now you can say no, and I will just edit this away. No one will a- ever know that I asked you this. But what about if we if we take one of your paper books and tell the listeners that one of them will get it from us for free? Would that be a good idea? Absolutely. I oh, would... you said yes. Yes, of course, <laughs> of course. You need to go on any social media and say that someone should listen to this episode. Uh, and you screenshot it and you send it to info at karstenalbeck.com. We will choose very randomly one of the participants and we will send you a book for the winner. And we will close the competition two weeks after it's published because I don't know exact date now. Is that okay with you, Katis? I just uh, got it out of my mind right now. It sounds like a perfect idea. And, okay. uh, of course, I will sign the book uh, before I send it. Oh, to the even better. Yes. So, okay, everyone out there, get out on your social media, say something about this episode, and uh, send it to info at karstenalbeck.com, and you will be maybe one of the happy uh, winners of the book that Katis Olson wrote. Excellent. So, um, some people say, Okay, so you're pain-free now. Uh, that, that's kind of what they think is the, the end of a book. That's also with my co-writer, Karin. People say, well, she's not pain-free now, so it can't be a good book. W- what about you? Are you like pain-free now all the time? No. No? It's the opposite. I, I have pain all the time, but it is what I call my normal status. I've had it since I was 16 years old. I actually don't remember exactly how it is to be totally pain-free, but my normal pain is okay with me. I can live with it and I don't feel limited. I can do everything I want to do, but of course there are things I can't do, but I just don't focus on that. I focus on what I can do and I can do a lot of things. I don't feel limited. When people ask me, how are you today? I'm fine. Oh, you don't have pain. Yes, I do, but (laughs) I don't talk about it except when I have a really 
bad setback and I have severe pain, then I can talk about it mostly because I want to communicate my needs for that. We talked about communication before, and I think to communicate your needs, I don't need the like, oh, too bad. I'm so sorry for you. No, I don't need that thing. But I need people to understand and respect that today I can't do some things because I have severe pain. So please just respect that. You say you don't want the, the pity and I don't wish for anyone to have pain. But I sometimes say that people have high blood pressure and people have uh, heart failure and people have diabetes. And sometimes, unfortunately, persistent pain is your disease, so to speak. And you have to kind of deal with it. That's actually what you're saying. I, I have some patients that's, that say that I wish that people could see more how bad I am. I got advice from patients who said that try to make uh, your day as normal as uh, usual. If you can't work because of your pain, dress as if you were going to work. If you eat dinner, set the table like you were inviting someone. Try to fool your brain that you're more normal than you are. And that's kind of an opposite way of seeing it than showing how bad you feel. I have a distinct feeling that you would agree with being as normal as possible. But do you have any thoughts on appearances and how you function with your pain in your daily life? Yeah, I absolutely think uh, that, well, dress up, take care of yourself. Of course, I also eat junk food sometimes. Don't just do it every day. Take yourself seriously. Wash your hair. Um, put on a face mask or whatever you feel like. Uh, I wanted to do these things. Sometimes it's totally okay to go at home in your yoga pants because it's more comfortable Absolutely, I do that as well. Actually, to back to the self-leadership, to take control of how you act and how you communicate when you can kind of own your pain, your story, saying, okay, this is the way it is today. Um, I need help with this and this. And you don't put any value into it it's just the way it is because then you get also in my experience better help from other people and they respect you as the normal person you are that is a much better way to deal with it and you don't feel um, like the sorrow for yourself, you lift yourself up in a better way. If I have any regular listeners out there, you may be just here by chance. We don't talk about pain every episode. Some episodes are actually not about pain at all. But of course, I will focus on pain on, on some episodes. And you talked about acceptance. And one who is very into... ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, is a psychologist called Richard Wixell, who was one of the first to implement this in Sweden and is really an expert. 
We will talk with him later on and I will focus on practical tips and advice for people how to get better. So if you're interested in this field, dear listener, please come back after you read uh, Kathy's book and maybe my book and <laughs> listen to our other episodes. So uh, you're doing a great job. I can really see that. But did you get any bad or negative feedback on your work from anyone writing the book maybe or the other things that you do or has it just been a green pasture it's been like heaven doing all this work no of course i'm an entrepreneur and that is part of my own pain management because i can schedule my own time and be sure to have energy and time for recovery and for physical movement. As an entrepreneur, you, you get questioned from time to time. What is this? Can you really do that? A lot of people have asked me, why don't you just get a surgery for your back? And mm. I explain. Haven't we heard that well, before? <laughs> <laughs> surgery isn't always the quick fix or maybe... Sometimes you just can't do a surgery. I got three herniated discs 11 years ago. Of course, I talked to a surgeon about it and he said, no, I never put my knife in you because as long as you can stand up and walk, it's too much to do a surgery on, on three herniated discs at the same time. I was like, thank you. I didn't want to, but I wanted to hear my options. Some patients with pain have also questioned me that you can just say that it's just to accept. And I think acceptance is very provocative. It's because I have done my work from the injury and doing my training, the physical and mental training, getting up and forward. After my fourth injury, it was really, really dark inside of me. I didn't want to die, but I just didn't want to live this life with pain anymore. I came up from that as well. And I never say I go back to the thing I was before. I move up and forward. I have a new experience with me and I get forward. Of course, I get questioned, but I mean, I can help people and I can't help people. I think you as a doctor has have also met patients. You, you just don't understand how you can help from time to time, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't help everyone, but if I can help a few people to deal with the, their pain, to get a more valuable life again not just survive, but to live, that is worth a lot for me. So I keep on doing what I'm doing. I want to collaborate with doctors as you and physiotherapists and other professions, because I think that we are specialists in our own area. You are a doctor, you are a specialist within pain, how it affects your body. I'm an expert in how to live with pain and also how you can actually 
work with your brain to get up. And a physiotherapist is a specialist how to do with the physical treatments and physical training. Mm-hmm. I think collaboration between the professions is uh, really important for uh, the pain patients. Mm. One of the earliest uh, episodes was with Pete Moore, who is now having his paintoolkit.org. And he actually said it started with him lying in bed and thinking about, I think, ending his life, to be honest. And then he kind of stood up, looked himself in the mirror and said, it's the guy in the mirror. This is the guy who is going to fix this. I saw myself and I thought, this is the guy that's going to get me out of this mess. So it was about me taking action. This is the guy who is going to fix this. And that was like, I don't know, 25 years ago. And now he's been helping so many people. He got awarded uh, honorary member of the British Pain Society. He's also turned everything around. And I guess that's the main message of this whole episode, that you have the strength. Everyone has a brain. You can use that brain in the right direction to actually change something in a very, very good way. I sometimes talk about how to recharge your batteries. I almost always ask my guests how they recharge their batteries. So I need to ask you as well, when you really feel tired or actually having pain, how how do you recharge? Sometimes it's laying on the sofa, listen to relaxation, sound file or meditation or something similar maybe fall asleep for a while actually the best way of recharge for me is being out in the nature being in the woods or looking out over the ocean or the mountains the nature is really important for me sometimes i can walk sometimes i can run sometimes i can go skiing or Ice skating doesn't really matter how I do it. It depends. As I said earlier, I listen to my body. What can I do today? And I just accept that, okay, today I move in this way. And then I go out being in the nature. Sounds like good advice. No one has actually said that to me, but I've heard others say that they get kind of criticized because the people we're talking about say that I'm a patient at the hospital, but at home I'm not a patient, but I still have the same condition if it's pain or something else. So we shouldn't be called patients, we should be called something else. I usually talk about people, (laughs) but sometimes it's very hard to know express what you mean when you say a human being or people that you don't understand that I'm talking about someone that we're trying to treat, therefore being a patient. Do you have any opinion if if it's bad to call people with pain for pain patients? Do you have any thoughts about that? I think when you When I talk to a doctor or physiotherapist or something, I'm okay with being a patient because I'm their patient. I don't present myself as a patient in front of other people. You're not saying I'm I'm a person with persistent pain. How are you doing? 
you're not no, like that. No, no. Now, I, as I work a lot uh, with pain, a lot of my communication is about pain and how I lived with pain for so long and so on. But that's not the first thing I bring up when I meet a new person. No, I, I'm a this. That's mm-hmm. it. And an overall picture about healthcare and pain. What, what do you think about how the healthcare is uh, dealing with persistent pain? I think uh, not good enough. When you come to a pain specialist as you, that's great, but not everyone gets there. It took me 28 years to come to a pain clinic at Dandrids Sjukhus. It was the first time when a doctor said, what do you eat for pain killers? Uh, what kind of painkillers do you eat? And I was like, it's tramadol and alvadon. And he said, well, that doesn't help for persistent pain. I know was my direct <laughs> answer, uh, but that was the only thing I get prescripted from the doctors. I guess I'm not the only one who has that, that problem, who doesn't get the correct pain medication from your uh, general physician. Um, so it's it has improvements to uh, in the healthcare system, definitely. There are improvements to be made in the future. Yeah, mm. yeah. So you're not using tramadol anymore? No. And how many years had you been uh, taking tramadol, you think? Uh, I guess about 20. Hmm. So uh, now I, I will say something that maybe some people will react to, but I need to be honest. If you get a referral somewhere and it says that this patient has been eating tramadol for 20 years, I am sure that there are many that would say, Nothing to do, she only wants her tramadol. To be honest, on on one sentence, we doctors and maybe others will say that and we won't even talk to people and say that, okay, you need to get her off the tramadol before we can meet her. And then someone says, well, you need to get off the tramadol, but they don't say why. They don't give something else. And I'm not talking other medications. I talk information that this doesn't work for persistent pain. We've seen that in studies, but there are other things to do. Uh, but you need really to get off them because we need to do evaluation from scratch or anything that you say. But in healthcare, we are so afraid uh, of this kind of medication that we don't want to meet the patients. We have already made up our minds before we meet them. And that's uh, I'm, I'm getting a little bit excited here. I really don't like that, to be honest. And you're, I didn't know this, so that's why I had to ask you. But 20 years on tramadol, now you're out of that and you feel much better uh, overall than you did when you started on that pain clinic. Kudos to them. On the other hand, you might have other medication that works better. The, uh, the book that I wrote actually has a, a, a pharmacological chapter because you can't leave it out when it has to do with pain. Uh, you can get help or you need to know why it doesn't help, but you can't just leave it out. Communication is really important. So you've, you really found your way there. Do you have any uh, connection with healthcare politicians or people that 
try to steer the healthcare in any directions. I kind of feel that people in charge don't have persistent pain on their map. I haven't that uh, connection, but putting it on my to-do list. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, because I, I... I'm really passionate about this. Some people would say, why are you passionate about persistent pain? Because I know there's a way to live a valuable life with it, but not everyone gets the correct help. One in four or one in five people live with pain. Mm. Um, And this is the thing with persistent instead of chronic. It doesn't mean you have to have it for the rest of your life, but you have it for a longer time. If you have it, it doesn't uh, get noticed as well in the brain as it did. Like we said, you can have a high blood pressure, you can have persistent pain, but you live with it and you live a, a good life with it. Uh, and you can show other people, if you have family, you can go from being this this person who couldn't do anything because of pain. And then suddenly your children see that you actually raise from that situation and become someone larger, someone who can actually do a lot of better things. And then the children will learn that too, that you can actually go uh, upward in the spiral and not downward all the time. So it's very important for your family as well to do things like this. Not only if you've had any experience with your surrounding, did they notice all this change that you've did or uh, what has happened around you? They, they've seen me suffer and they've seen me coming up and forward again. I think when I started to be in charge of my own life, being responsible for what I can do and what I can't do and be open and honest with the family, friends and so on, just having an open communication. It's also easier for them to know how to be around me, how to manage me and my pain because they don't know. And if I don't tell them, they could never know what I'm feeling, what today is like. So that's why I think open communication is really important. You, you own your pain instead of being owned by the pain. Of course, with help from physicians, from physiotherapists, from family and friends as well. Mm. But they can't do the work for you. No. Excellent. We, we covered a lot of uh, ground on this episode, really. It's been uh, great to talk uh, to you, Katis. But is there anything that we forgot to say? Something that you really think I should have mentioned this or Karsten should have asked me about this? Or do you think we covered what we could have covered in this amount of time? Oh, I, I think we covered uh, the most. Um... And if not, get Katis' book. Go to her webpage, katisolson.com or .se and write something about this episode in a social media. Make a screenshot or just write where we can find it and send it to info at karstenalbeck.com and we will send one of your books, Katis, to the winner 
one month from this episode has been published. Great. So now then, Katis, take care. And maybe we'll talk in the future about something. Yeah, right? absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah. Thank you for having me here on your it, podcast. It Bye. has been my pleasure, really. Take care now. Take Bye -bye. care. Bye. Bye. Bye.